Next in the series of uh, Somerset stories, um, delighted to be joined by a former former Somerset favourite back in the glory days, and um, it will be a surprise to a number of people that actually we didn't play together. Budge was finished before I started, although we look the same age now. Um, I very much welcome Graham Burgess. Morning, Budge. Morning. How you doing? All right. You survived lockdown, okay? Uh, yeah, I did. Keith, yeah. Uh, my age is quite difficult, but I did. Yeah, I'm wearing a mask when I go out now. Quite often. Yeah, I know. What's all that about? Have you, like, have you got one like ready? Everyone miss, miss going to the betting shop for a while. Yeah, I know. No racing either for a couple of months. That would have yeah. done well, you I, no good. I said to someone, there's no racing, no cricket, no rugby, no football, no budgie. I know. So you've just been hibernating, have you? Yeah, I was lucky because my daughter's looked after me a little bit. She's gone shopping for me and things like that, you know, so yeah, it's been quite easy. Okay, so we're, brilliant. So we're just going to go through a little bit of uh, your life in cricket. Obviously, it spanned an awful long time with your playing and your umpiring. So we'll, we'll take it right back to, to day one. Born in Somerset, born and bred. It must have been a great, great thrill to, to join the staff in, in 1965. Yeah, it was. I, um, I came down for a trial down in Somerset. I, Bill Andrews was the coach then. Quite a very funny man, Bill Andrews. I don't know if you met him and do you knew him. He died a few right. years ago. Very, very funny man. Um, yeah, I, I played all games when I was a kid and cricket, I suppose, it happened to be cricket because that, that's how it fell. The cards fell, really. And uh, I think in 1965, I joined the staff. And on in the first team, there was Bill Alley, Ken Palmer, Fred Ramsey, people like that, Brian Langford. They were all the senior pros, very experienced senior pros which helped me a lot. I started off as a batsman, purely as a batsman. And um, like, a, like a lot of other bowlers, I started bowling in the nets. And some, somebody said, well, you could probably bowl in the middle. And started bowling quite a lot in the middle. It did affect my batting a bit. And uh, as you know, as an all-rounder, sometimes bowling too much can affect your batting, I think. And uh, sometimes I wish I just batted, but uh, I did enjoy bowling over the years. And uh, I... Just very lucky to play in some very good sides, I think. We got to the final of Gillette Cup in 66, 67, sorry. That was my first time in the final. In fact, I'm the only one that ever played in three Gillette Cup finals. Did you know that? Back from 67 through to 79. That's right. Well, everybody else would finish then for the next ones, you see. But so, uh, yeah, that was the, the final at Lords was fantastic because uh, the first one in 67 was against Kent. And the whole of the ground was festooned with either hops or our supporters wearing their smocks, walking through London with smocks and pitchforks. And there were people from Bridgewater, they said that every time a Kent wicket fell, it was gonna, they were going to have a pint of cider. They were quite thirsty at lunch. They were about 130 for one. <laughs> but after lunch, they lost about five wickets in half an hour. So you can imagine what the supporters were like. Um, tea, tea time that day, we looked as though we were going to win it. And these supporters with the pitchforks walked right round the ground, right in front of the pavilion, pushing the old pitchforks into the air. Fantastic sight. And uh, of course, Kent fought back, and in the finish, we uh, just lost. It was a very, very good game of cricket. They had sort of Cowdery and Underwood and people like that playing. Fantastic game. I think Cowdery got knocked in the final. So how, how, many, how many supporters would have been in, in those days, Budge? Because you've seen all these photos with the players, with the supporters, they're on the field and sort of oh, camping in the corners oh, of the ground. Tremendous support. I mean, Lord was absolutely packed. And as I say, it's probably the most picturesque final of all with all the hops 
festoon in the ground. It was fantastic, it was. And uh, yeah, we had great support wherever we went. And I, I think this Sunday league that we played in for many years, that, that was well supported every Sunday. It was a wonderful competition. And I don't know why they finished that. So that was, that was the 40-over competition of starting sort of 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon? Well, it started at 2 o'clock and finished at 7 every Sunday. And the yeah. supporter could probably, if he wanted to, go, could go to the pub, have a few points or whatever, and then, or have his Sunday lunch, and then come to the cricket. And it was the same every week. Home and away, every week we were absolutely packed out. Brilliant. Yeah. So, so over your over your time before we get to the success of '79, um, yeah. we had a few few close calls. Particularly '76 was close to winning a trophy as well. I think 1966 or '67 we were third in the championship, weren't we? Yeah. And we had to beat Northampton to win the championship, and we didn't beat them. We lost, I think. That was at Northampton, and that was the closest we came, I think. Then. Um, the reason for, well, I don't know what reason I don't know why we didn't win really it's, it's like it's happening now why don't they win now it's incredible I mean you look as though they're the best side in the country been so close so, on so close on so many occasions I think you probably get used to winning and you get used to losing don't you yeah that's what happens in sport I think and when you get on a roll and start winning you probably win everything then that's right so so the 76 John Player was pretty close as well. We lost off the last ball in the last game of the season, I believe. Before. 76. 76. Yeah, the funny thing about that, Bill Alley was umpiring that too, one of my old uh, teammates. And I said to him when it came down to the last ball, I said, how many left there? He said, ah, there's one left. And um, I needed to hit that for three. But again, a full house, wonderful crowd there, wonderful atmosphere. We played Glamorgan, I think, ten times before that and won nine in lots of the other ones. So... We were big odds on favourites. The interesting thing that day, that um, the Glamorgan committee didn't realise what support that we had. And there was coach after coach came over the bridge and there was no one on the gate. And they all got in free. And they had group. Yeah, yes, and people went round with buckets collecting money if they wanted to pay, but some didn't. But that game was incredible because I think what was it we only needed to get 180, was it 180 odd? I think. And and you would have backed our team to do that really. And we lost our way, and I think it became difficult in the end because we'd lost too many wickets. We'd lost like, five or six wickets before we got anywhere near close to it, and we had to grind it out a little bit. And um, like I said, we came very close. I was batting with Dredgy in the last ball, and um, I said, Dredgy, whatever we do, we're going to run three. And he hesitated on the third, you know. I don't know if you've ever seen the program. But no. But he, I mean, he was quicker than me, Dredgy, and I got in. So he should, he was a non-striker, really. He should have probably got in I, if he hadn't hesitated. It was a very, very close game. Yeah, and, that was and, and close, close to the trophy. Oh, yeah. I mean, then... My daughter's just going to get me a drink, actually. I'm drying up a little bit. Okay, mate. No problem. <laughs> I thought you going to say, that time you dried up. <laughs> and um, anyway, that game, there was a heli... I, did you ever see it on the television? Yeah, I saw a bit of the highlights. Yeah, yeah. It was a helicopter going around because there were three of us tying on the top. And they didn't right. know whether to go to Kent or to the Midlands. Right. Or to us. I think he made the right decision if Peter Walker was in charge. He was in the helicopter. 
Peter Walker died about three weeks ago. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was in the helicopter anyway, and uh, they didn't know which way to go. And lucky enough, they did go in the right place and finished. They went to Kent. But yeah. that was the last ball. That ball that I had to try and hit for three was the last ball bowled of the whole season. Yeah, and couldn't get any closer. All the rest had finished, so they must have been all watching it on the box. Yeah. Um, unbelievable day it was. Of course, so the was year Clos after that. Was the Closey still captain that, then? Sorry? Was Closey still captain then? Yeah, Closey was captain, yeah. Because but that's the only that's the only time I've ever he ever came in and said sorry, actually. Did it? Alan Jones was the only one that got any runs for him. He got 81, I think. And he dropped the he dropped he dropped him straight in, just over his head, off my bowling, in fact. And as he as he caught, he went to throw it up and dropped it. Right. I, I think Joan ran 18 at the time. And he went on to get 81. And and that made a total for them. They had quite a good total then. Well, I'd say quite a good total. 180 then on a wicket, probably doing a little bit. It was a totally different game than now, where they really went and scored 300. When you were, you were talking about that Sunday league game, we had the win. That we also lost in the final of the Gillette Cup that same weekend. I know you... I was reading up on that this morning. You used to play like every, you know, you play a, a one-day final on the Saturday and then back to Taunton in time for another game on the Sunday. That's right. Well, that weekend we lost both. Like we, lost the, we lost the Sunday League and the final. But the year after that, the same weekend, we won them both. Yeah. And I, I always think that television missed a big thing, actually. I think they should have come back with a helicopter and bought the cup back. The next year, it yeah. would have been good television, that I think. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean... Then again, we, we had a very, very good one-day team, really, because I think one to ten had all got hundreds in first-class cricket. You know, and they were hard side to bowl out in a one-day match. You could lose yeah. four or five and still win quite easily. But uh, you had the big guns up front with your Viv and, and, then you had, <laughs> and Ian and people like that. And then, and then you had Joe bowling. Fantastic. I mean, Joe Garner, I think in the run-up to the, up to the final in, what, 79? I think he got five for thirteen again, or five for eleven against Kent. I think at Taunton. Yeah. That was in the, that was in the quarters. I think in the quarter final. And then in the final, he got five for thirteen. Extraordinary, extraordinary goal. <laughs> Just tell us what what was that like sharing a dressing room with those three guys? I mean, they were obviously the three of the world's world's best at that time. Yeah. And the, to have have them all in a in a same county dressing room must have been pretty special. It was very special. I mean, Viv, got, Viv came to us quite young, really, so we saw him develop a little bit, if you like. But, I yeah. mean, when he first came, he's, you can imagine early spring in the nets and it was seeming about, and, he's like, and your old pros like Ken KP, Ken Palmer, for those that don't know, he'd look down and say, well, I'm not sure about this bloke. <laughs> and when we realised he could really play is when we played Hampshire at Taunton and he played against his old friend Andy Roberts. And who benched him, very quick bencher, and he hooked it from front of his face for six. And of course, straight away, we thought this is something different, really, which he was. I mean, he's a great, great player, wasn't he? Yeah. And we were very lucky to have him. But I've always said that, and you've probably heard me say before, then we were allowed two overseas players. What about if you're only allowed one? Which one would you have, Joe Leviv? Bit tough, wasn't it? Very difficult situation. Very difficult. I, I would like to be able to say, well, I'll have him, him one day and I'll have him the next day. That would be a good thing. If yeah. it, if it, when would you play Viv on the good wicket or the one doing a bit? 
I know, but you wouldn't want you wouldn't want to face Joel on any of them, would you? Did you see Joel Bowen in the flesh? I suppose you did as a little boy, didn't you? Yeah, I was young, young looking, watching him. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, he, didn't, he didn't bowl many bad balls. No, we actually pl played against him because he had a, had a year at Glastonbury, didn't he, in the Somerset oh, League? Of course, you would have played in that. And he played when he retired, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Played but, a bit when he retired. That's fantastic. It was a to totally different viewing to, to see where he was delivering the ball from. Oh, fantastic. He must have been over the sight screen, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, but uh, that, it was good, good experience playing against him as a 14-year-old, I think I was. I think of all the years that I saw him bow when, when he was playing with us, the bloke I saw that played him the best was Javid Meandad. Yeah. He got runs against him, very good on his feet. But, I mean, you had sometimes, if you could, to play forward to Joe, really. I know it's quite difficult. You think, well, six foot nine or whatever it was, and, and bouncing up into the ribcage sometimes. But I think the blokes who got on the front foot had a better chance, really. Because once you got on the back foot, he speared that Yorker in. Yeah. Very, very difficult. And, and that, was, that was his big, big tool in one-day cricket, wasn't it? Oh, the, the, the old Yorkers at the, at the death. Yeah, but lovely man, you know, Joe. Lovely bloke. And I, and I, I always thought it was very disappointed that he got mixed up with all that, uh, what was it, 1981, when they had the trouble. Is that when they left? Yeah. 81, was it? Uh, around then, yeah. And he had to queue up to go into that marquee at Shepton Mallet, Joe. <laughs> and he was invited. Yeah, I mean, he never did. He never put a foot wrong with Somerset. Him for me, yeah. not a foot wrong. I don't know what Ian and Viv were getting up to then. I, I haven't got a clue. But when I was there, everything was rosy in the garden. So I mean, it was fine. Every everybody was happy. And that was when they were probably junior pros. But when they got senior pros, whether they I don't know whether they misbehaved or no. I don't know what happened. And I don't know why Somerset needed to get rid of him. I don't know. But um, it was a great shame. But like I say, it's a great, even greater shame that Joel was involved in that. Yeah. I, think. I, mean, I mean, they were the big three who kept turn, turning up in the, in the big finals. But it was, a, it was a very strong squad at that stage as well, with a lot of local players as well. Yeah, we had quite a few. Well, Pete Denon, of course, late Pete Denon. Right, Rosie, yeah. was, Rosie was from Weston. Peter Roebuck came from Street. Obviously, he was at Millfield. Um, yeah. my, myself, I was obviously local. Dick um, Marks, Mark, he's, he's a Somerset boy. He? Well, he was at school at um, London. London yeah. Right. yeah, but uh, yeah, there were quite a lot of yeah local local players really. Yeah, and, and just looking, back, it just, looking back, it just looks like it was probably really good fun playing with all those guys. Well, I think probably that's why we didn't win anything early on. It was probably too <laughs> much fun. <laughs> and then we took it a lot more serious and everybody realised what potential we had there, I think, and uh, started realising they could win and they were very hard side to beat. So, like I say, especially in the one day, because they never won the championship then, of course. No. No, I don't. Uh, Joe would always say we didn't win the championship because nobody used to leave us a total. Now, that no. could be one reason. I don't know how strong we were in the spin department, really. I think with the two spinners they got now, if we'd had two spinners like that playing then, as well as all the seamers, and then, I mean, we had Vic Marks and people like that. But it was difficult for on the both side. The wicket was totally different than his name, right? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. It's changed quite a bit in the last 10 years or so, isn't it? Yeah, in the, in the three-day cricket, then it would turn on the second day. But now it's turned from the word go, doesn't it? Yeah, it has been, yeah. So if you had a couple of spinners... I mean, I, I, mean I, I can remember speaking to you when, we were, we were, when you were umpiring, Budge, and you sort of said, I think you, you read batters so, so well 
um, because you played on different wickets and you look for different things instead of just running up and hitting a leg hard. I think you, because you played on different surfaces, I remember you telling me to, to just bowl in swingers to, to this batter because he, he kept playing a bit open face through point all the time. And, well, you know, it's something that I'd never heard before. You were similar to me. You bowled about a similar pace as me, right? You were quicker than me, uh, but I just bat. Listen to me, listen to me, man. You at your pace and me at my pace had to know where to bowl to the batsman. Because if you bowled in the wrong pace at our pace, it was going to go a long way, wasn't it? Yeah. So if so straight away you're putting advantage on your side, really, if you know where to bowl each batsman. Like I mean, I used to be able to go through every batsman in the country, probably, knowing where where to bowl and where not to bowl. And you ha I think you had to, and I think they should know that now. Yeah. See, I, you do a lot of coaching, don't you? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Am I right in saying that batsmen play more square on there than they ever used to? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. That's the first thing I used to look for, whether, whether I could square a batsman out. Yeah. Because I know if I could square on that bowling eight swing, late eight swing, you'd probably get him eight. Yeah. So that's the first thing you'd look for, I think. But now, like I say, the game's changed, and you don't see the ball moving like that, mate. No, no. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see it go back to red ball in white day, in, in one day cricket, and then it gives the bowlers a chance to swing it a bit yeah. more for a bit longer. So would I, Keith. So would I. Just going to drink, a minute. Yeah, carry on, first. Right, we're away. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's a great game they play now. But I don't think it's so intense as it used to be, in skill-wise, especially. I mean, you talk about the old spinners that played years ago. They were some of them were great bowlers. Yeah. And, and Underwood on a wet wicket, if they had to play that now, that would really open their eyes. I tell you. Yeah. And of course, the okay. wicket keepers, the wicket keepers, when they when they were keeping wicket on wickets like that, that blow they kept wicket with us then. We were talking about this side in sort of 79, and Derek Taylor was a great wicketkeeper, you know? Yeah. I mean, he stood up to me and Tom Cartwright when he was doing all sorts. And to Tom, it must have been very difficult because he used to sort of make it bounce off a link. Yeah. But Derek rarely made a mistake. Brilliant. And he yeah. used to stump him off me when he was swinging. He was really brilliant keeper he was. Yeah, no. So that, no. Sort of, and of course, he could bat too. Yes. Yeah, so, so following following your playing days and finishing seventy nine, you moved on to the to the umpires. How much did you enjoy that? I mean, it must have been great to, to still be well, involved I, in cricket. I enjoyed still being in the game. I, I I'll be honest that I never really really enjoyed umpiring. I thought I think umpire I think it's the hardest part of the game, not yeah. decision wise and things like that. Just to stand out there for six hours a day. So. I remember saying to the ECB years ago, why don't you have, if you've got a third umpire, why don't they take it in turns and rotate? Yeah. So you only probably stand there for two hours at a time. But you, 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 you umpire, you're first there at the ground, nine o'clock, whatever it's going to be. You're last to go home. You're always in the game. Nothing might happen all day. You might have a great... The, the big problem with umpiring, for me, you only hear about an umpire when they have a bad day. That's right, they do. 
and most of the time they have a good day. But just one bad mistake, and you don't hear the last of it, which is a great shame because umpires go away. Umpires go away from that ground feeling worse than any player ever will if they know they've made a mistake. And nine times out of ten, you know you've made a mistake too. That's why I've often wondered why you didn't. You don't get more called back when they've been given out. Yeah. I called, I called two back in my career. No, sorry, three. And two of those was the same bloke. So in all those years, 18 years I umpired for, that was Mel Loy. Yeah. I'll tell you what, he, he, he used to play right back. He used to play a little bit with the back behind the front pad a bit. And it squeezed in. I, th I thought, oh, that's out, LBW. And as he's walking off, I walked across to John Hatch, who was at Square Leg. I said, did you hear anything on that? He said, I think he hit it, Budge. I said, come back. Uh, of course, they all started. I said, um, hey, we all know we hit it. Let's get on with the game. And they were quite as lambs. Brilliant. Yeah. They all knew we did it. And so did I after a while. But I mean, you always know before they'd gone off the ground. You can just tell by some, some of the reactions. Think, do you think as an ex-batsman, it would have been nice to be called back sometimes? Yeah, I think I think it would, but it works both ways, doesn't it? I mean, I, I, there's probably others that have got away with one when they've nicked it to the keeper, and, and yeah, that's the only problem with it. Yeah, that would be the problem with that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And they're not I, very honest batters, are they? Well, most batsmen are very selfish people, aren't they? You know that. <laughs> but are they? And I think you need to be. Yeah. I think you need to be. I, I mean. The, these two blokes that are open about him ringling now. I mean, between you and I, I wouldn't, if, if they were playing in my back garden, I'd draw the curtains, to be quite honest. <laughs> I couldn't, but they're selfishly doing the right thing. And, but in doing that right thing, they're doing the right thing for England too. Yeah. It is something you wouldn't want to watch all day. No. I think so anyway, but, but I think you need to be selfish. I, I was never selfish as a batsman, I know that, and I always used to get myself out. And, I, after, and if they wanted quick runs, they used to send me in, and you know what's going to happen when they do that. Yeah. You know you're going to get in. And, and I always look back and say, I wish I'd never done that, but that was me. And that's, what, that's why I was never going to go to a higher grade, really, because I, I didn't play for myself. And I think yeah. I got to, I think. I think the, the modern technology in, in TV, cameras everywhere, it doesn't make the umpire's jobs any easier, does it? No, I but I, I, we said when it first came out when I was umpire, this is just a start and it's going to go on and on. But personally, I think if they're going to use cameras, they want to use them for everything. Yeah. Not just for little things, for some things and not other things. And, and as for this umpire's call, when it's just flicking the bells off at the top, it's either hitting or it's not hitting, in my opinion. Simple as yeah. that. Too close to call. I've seen, I've seen quite a lot actually on the television when I when it's hit them and I thought, well, that's not eight. And then this camera showed about it's just tickling the leg stump and things like that. And the umpire's already given it out. And you you would have never given it out, I don't think. To, well, I wouldn't have done it. I always worked on the did the ball had to straighten for LBW. I was always taught that it had to straighten. If it was an in-string, it would have to straighten. Yeah. Because if it was an in-string or hit him on the pad to hit the stumps, it's got to make so I do off stump, isn't it? Definitely. So who, who over the years as an umpire, mate, who, who did you look forward to umpiring? Did you, did you rock up at any grounds thinking, oh, I'd like to see him bat? Or he, he's a good I mean, it's, it's human nature. I think some people you got on with better than others. 
Some people's personality suited your personality, some didn't. I quite enjoyed umpiring with most of them. We had quite a, a laugh, really. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, there's some interesting stories. Actually, when I first started umpiring, I was umpiring at um, Edge Baston. And Alan Donald was bowling in my head. And David Shepherd was at Square Lake. And he put in there, what's going on? Norman and I was watching the ball go down and going off somewhere. He's bowling quick. As you know, you played against Donald, didn't you? As he could do, yeah. Great bowler. Anyway, he bowled this ball and it was a beamer. Oh, really? And to say it was a shot that was played, it was, uh, it was all-rounder. Oh, Evans, it played for Knox, it was back in. You remember him, all-rounder, Evans? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, to say it was a shot, was it? All he did was, it was a twitch, really. And the ball went from something straight to Dominic Osru, who jumped in the air and caught it. And I thought, what I say? I thought, what's the law on that? It's got to be above the chest or above the waist at that pace, right? Now then, I went quite sure, because like I say, my first season it was. So I went over to Shep. I said, hey, Shep, uh, that's right, because I gave it eight, see. I said, hey, that was right, Shep. And I was like, he said, I, I don't know, bud. He said, we'll have a look at the law when we get in. And Shep had been an international number of like five or six years then. And so I thought, what chance have I got? So I said to um, Evans, I said, hey, what did that hit? And it ripped the, the top of the bat off on the corner. Yeah. A great catch. Because then we had a meeting at Lords, and I said, then, I said to the powers at B, I said, hey, I just saw a ball, nobody could play that. I said, it, it got to be above the waist, not above the chest, or above the shoulder it was. I said, not above the shoulder. I said, that's impossible to play that. And yeah. I told him the story about that. But it was incredible for me to go over to Shep. Like I say, it was an international umpire, and he didn't know either. He didn't like, know either. What am I in here? Incredible. But that, 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 I mean, he was quick, Donald, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was up there with the best of the pace, I would say, around that sort of era. Like I said, I was never always enamoured with umpiring. If you get back to umpiring. But one of my best days as an umpire, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but we used to do second team matches as well, see? And I went to this match, we played at a place called Barnt Green in Worcester. Yeah, and Oscar Abbey, I played that. That's right. It was the end. It's the last match of the season, I think, in the second team. And I got to the ground on the second day and both sides had batted and I thought, well, this is, you know, the first thing you think as a, as a, well, this is going to be a long day. So as I walked through the bar, they'd had, they'd had one innings each and the other side had batted a bit, well, not, just a few overs, I think. They were just in front anyway. And I walked through the bar in the morning before the match and my mate who I was umping with a chap from Worcester, he said, they've declared. This is the third innings, all right? I said, what do you mean declared? He said, well, they've declared. I said, well, they only want, they only make 20 in front. They're only going to get 20 to win. He said, yeah. Glamorgan had the contracts meeting last night. They sacked three of them. They refused the ball. <laughs> so the captain declared and said, well, that's it then. And so we just had a nice lunch. And they knocked off the 20 or 30 and off we went. You went on. So that was one of my favourite games in umpire. <laughs> That's, that just shows the, the other side of, to the game of professional cricket, doesn't it? I mean, they, 
for every every Lord's final, there's always a load of, load of lads, young lads who are out of the game by the time they're 21, 23. Which yeah, is pretty yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can be um, difficult one. I, I always thought it would be, as a professional sport, it would be awful to get the sack. You didn't get the sack, did you? No, I made you quick, played quick, along. Sort of well, didn't you ever right. think that? Did you ever think, well, that must be terrible then? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, every time a contract was up, I was expecting to get sacked. I mean, because whether they get the sack or whether they... They're all good players. Yeah. To get on the staff in the first place, they've got to be good players, haven't they? So it's a hell of a thing if they ever get the sack, then I think it's an awful thing. Isn't it? But then I get... It's very difficult for, for young blokes to realise that they ain't going to make it. Mm. That's the problem, I think. And to build... And I think a good coach or a good man in charge should probably know that a bloke ain't going to make it, really. And yeah, make to make, but then, to make again, see, then again, you talk about that. If you saw Ian Bolton at 15 or 16, you'd have struggled to say that he was going to be a fine cricketer. But at time he's 19, 20, he's playing for England, and, you know, that would have been one I probably got wrong, I think. Yeah. Uh, because players develop at different ages, don't they, and respond well, to they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put, yeah. put under pressure. Yeah, of course, there's, there's some you will over the years that you think would be unlucky to get the sack too. Yeah. I, yeah but there was a chap that played just before me who would have been phenomenal in, in the Sunday League, Chris Greetham. Yeah. Like, magnificent striker of a cricket ball. And he got the sack the year before the Sunday League started. So what insight was that? That was incredible for me. That it'd be nice to come down and see you all again. Yeah, well, that'll be great to see you, Budgie. It's been been great chatting this morning. Thanks for giving up your time, and I'm sure the Somerset members will be uh, pleased to see you're looking healthy and survive lockdown. And, as you say, <laughs> next time. Well, it's early in the day at the moment. <laughs> hey, nice to speak to you, Paris. Yeah, nice to see you. Nice to see you, Budgie. We'll catch up in the next next year, if not before. Lovely. Thanks very much well, indeed. All the best. Thanks, Budge. Yeah. Bye then.